This is the final whistle on Ocean FM. Tonight, the treasurer of Sligo Rovers, David Rowe, and the belt tightening that lies ahead at the showgrounds. We'll play you extracts from his interview with the Bit of Red Supporters Trust this week. A former Rovers player is celebrating a League of Ireland winner's medal with Shamrock Rovers. We'll hear from Johnny Kenny on what his next steps are likely to be. Four Sligo teenagers are getting ready to surf for Ireland at the World Junior Championships in Brazil later this month. We'll introduce you to them and Candremore West's Keelan Kilrehel land a national senior cross-country title this weekend. Breach Conley will discuss. And you're welcome to the programme. This is Austin O'Callaghan and here are the contact details by WhatsApp and phone. It's 083 3500 530 for WhatsApp and text messages. By email, the address sport at oceanfm.ie and we're still on Twitter or x at Ocean FM Sport will find us. So coming up, Ross Nala's Gavin McRae, who's team manager with the Ireland Junior Surfers at the forthcoming World Championships in Rio. A third of that Ireland team made up of surfers from the Donegal Bay Board Riders Club. They're all Sligo lads. We'll hear from them later. But first, the scale of the financial hit Sligo Rovers have taken this season and are likely to face next season has become a little clearer. Club treasurer David Rowe has warned that Rovers are facing an operating deficit of at least €200,000 at the end of the current financial year. Roe was speaking on the Bit of Red Supporters Trust podcast this week. While not calculated in full yet, the overall drop in revenue will be a substantial six-figure sum. And one of the consequences will be a trimming of the first-team budget for next season by between 35 and 40%. Well, we're going to play you a couple of extracts now from David Rowe's interview this week starting with how the club approached the beginning of last season. I suppose when we sat down at the end of last season, basically we said, do we do one or two things? Do we do we spend to try and stay up there in the top two or three or four um, to stay in Europe? Or do we cut the budget back and save and spend? You know, we'd obviously um, built up some surplus from Europe. And do we spread that over a two or three year period? And I suppose the view was that if we if we um, took the gamble of spending to stay in Europe, that that became self sustainable after a while. And obviously, it's back. You know, it 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 was a it was a horrible season, really. There's no other way to describe it. Uh, for all of us, we probably need to draw the line under it and move on because you know it was what it was. But it has consequences as well. Like that. It has financial consequences and squad consequences. So, but yeah, desperate season. Yeah, and like virtually everything that went wrong went wrong last season. Um, so uh, a myriad of things. So, can I actually ask David how was how was that decided? Then, is there maybe like a a vote taken or you know which way to go? Is it just is it probably consistent meetings on which way to approach the season that way? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the 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 various budgets positions would have been laid out um, before the committee um, and um, you know I suppose that yeah a, a decision was taken to to you know um, heavily heavily back the manager and, and, and the squad and um, you know like we I suppose we as a committee and you know you as supporters and and you know the, the support 
or a group of people to do wonderfully with it. So, um, you know, it's not the committee don't have a massive role in the recruitment um, or don't have much role at all. That's really down to the the manager and the assistant manager, etc. Um, so we're laying out the platform, um, given the financial platform. So, yeah, it was a huge disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess this season, David, um, we're probably going to have to suffer the consequences of, um, I guess, failure on the pitch. Um, so in terms of budgets, um, Chris Benson is asking, uh, how much will the, the budget be cut by for next season? Yeah, um, big cut, um, 35, 40%, um, that kind of number. Um, and, you know, it's, you can't, and I said earlier on, we, we probably need to emotionally draw, draw a line under the season, but, you know, we will, we will go from having money in the bank to owing money, um, which will have to be dealt with. So it, it will have a hangover, like people like yourselves, have been fantastic. You know, I think you've given us the 50 grand or the cuts of 50 grand or give or take, which is, which, which is massive. And um, this season, 500 club, um, the lotto, the annual draw, the halftime raffle, uh, ticket sellers, etc. But, you know, despite huge support, we're going to go into the season owing money, having had money in the bank last year. So we're looking at a sizable loss, Jerry, for this year. And, you know, if we had 200 and if we 200,000 and, you know, we we're we're definitely going to have a six figure loss. We could we could lose 250, 300, uh, maybe 350. So in worst case scenario, we could be going into next season owing 200,000 to revenue and to on, on some loans. So they have to be paid back the revenue short term. You know, we've nowhere else to go for funding except, you know, our own community and our own grouping. So. Um, those paybacks have to come off next year's budget. So, yeah, it's 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 it, you know we're going from a position where we had the luxury of making maybe a number of additional signings that we thought were going to be game changers in terms of you know keeping us in top two or three or four to having a very young, lean, hungry squad and probably younger players and some older players. And you know I'm. I think we might all be looking forward to that a bit. We we saw we saw a fair bit of ex you know excesses this year in terms of people on a lot of money and not performing. And you know that's I think the worst thing that Sligo Rovers fans witnessed. You know that just doesn't go down well. Less talented players who are actually earning their money, we that's live with a lot easier. Club treasurer David Rowe with Roland Flanagan and Jerry O'Connor on the Borst podcast. There, here's the rationale Rowe put forward for sticking with manager John Russell for another season after the team finished third from bottom in the Premier Division. Undoubtedly, a lot of mistakes were were made last year um, in recruitment um, and probably in playing style as well. Um, you know, we've had a thorough review of that with John. We think he has the he has the core ingredients to be a very good manager. He's going to have his work cut out because the budget is cut back. He's very young in management terms. He's very hungry. He works incredibly hard. He's a good coach. He's local. He's bought into the club. Um, not you know not that he's purchased shares in it, but you know emotionally he's 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 
he's you know he's one of us um and but most of all we think that he's going to be a very good manager and you know i suppose we've given him a one year extension we um and you know i hope that maybe halfway through next year we'll be sitting down with john russell and saying john you know that worked another two or three years but a similar performance next year relative to to budget will have consequences um you know um the days guys are bringing a you know a speculative candidate in from england or over like they're they're you know i've seen some things that you know can we find the next paul cook etc etc like honestly we have to have somebody on board that's in tune with our youth and and bringing young players through and knows knows what's in the academy and will give them chances um, and John's squad next year is going to have a lot of academy players in it, and particularly on the bench and, you know, been on for 15 or 20 minutes here because we're not going to have the luxury of the number of senior players that we had this year. So, you know, I think John and Ryan will work their butt off to prove to us that this year was a bit of a horrible year. And, you know, like he's, he's he'll, I don't, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, he's at the beginning of his professional career. The first The first six months were wonderful. Uh, in terms of the European run, the second 12 months were horrible. And like, I know the guy is going to, you know, the management committee know that John is going to put his very best into making sure it can work in, you know, restricted circumstances. So yeah, we, we think he's the right man. And I do think the supporters' expectations need to change a tiny bit. But I have no problem with high expectations for last year. I had them myself. And, um, you know, we, we, we did a budget to, 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 we 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 supported the playing side of it with a budget to you know to to deliver highly and it didn't happen. So next year we're into a bit of a rebuild, um, and you know we're into trying to outperform maybe what you know our budget relative to other clubs. So um, yeah, and I think John will be very very determined to prove that you know he has a future career in management, and you know hopefully that will be a slider over. There's no guarantee, Sean, in anything, though. There's no guarantees with the magic candidate from the UK. There's no guarantees with, you know, some of the other candidates that are maybe floating around, and there aren't that many of them. So, you know, we think we think that's the right decision, and we think John will work his socks off to prove it. Well, the recruitment of players, as you'll have gathered from that, was a talking point during the season just gone. Estonian international Bogdan Vashtuk was arguably one of Rovers' high-profile disappointments. He departed the club mid-season and mid-contract. Here's Rose's explanation of how that was all handled. Bogdan was on a two-year contract, um, a good contract, including accommodation. Um, things don't work out. Then you're sitting down and you're trying to negotiate um, that player out um, and you're hoping that player has another offer. And you do always need to come to some settlement. You know, he had 18 months left on his deal. So we paid Bogdan just over 10% of the rest of his deal. Um, the figure, I've seen 60 grand, 30 grand. We didn't pay anything like either of those two figures. We paid him 10% or just over 10% of the value of the rest of his contract. And I don't Sligar over supporters um, would say that that was good business by the club. I completely accept it wasn't good business to sign him in the first place. But 
you know, signing guys is the lottery. Um, but he he was paid just over 10% of the value of the rest of his contract. And so to put that in a positive way, we saved 90% of the balance of his contract. So, you know, and that is not 30 grand. It's certainly not 60. It's way less than both those figures. So the 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 57 up today and the 30 up today on, on, on uh, X or Twitter are completely wrong. Well, as more and more League of Ireland clubs are either bought by overseas investors or controlled by wealthy sugar daddies, as they're known, the viability of a club being community-owned and run also came up during the chat. Here's how the Rovers Club treasurer addressed that one. You know, if the player wants to go and they have a release clause, and be honest about it, if most Liga Rovers players are offered, you know, two or three times the wage to pay in, to play in League One. It's like a promotion for any of us in work. That's how they look at it. It's a, it's a promotion. Um, and although all the players that were sold did have release clauses, even if they didn't have, I think it would have been very, very hard to hold them. And it's not a question of being sold under the manager's feet. Like, the game has moved a lot. So agents have a lot of power. Players have a lot of power. Clubs have less power than than they had. So you know, you're you're. I would regard those as you know reasonable bit of business, but definitely football wise, damaging. No question about it. Um, but we didn't have a lot of choice in it, Sean. I suppose, uh, David. One of the things that I would kind of hear quite regular, and it will be something that I would agree with, is that. Um, just suppose in terms of fan engagement and communication from the club can be a little bit hit and miss at times. Um, and is there any plans going forward, say, for instance, uh, to maybe increase that or make it better? Um, yeah, even through like, yeah, yeah, there, there is a plan, and um, Jerry, we're 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 close. We're close to securing funding um, for a for a community fan engagement um, person, and I suppose I'm voluntary. The rest of the committee are all voluntary. I run my own business. I give this 20, 10, 20, 15 hours a week, every week, on top of the day job um, and looking after my own business. We have a very small number of non uh, football permanent staff like about five I think and they're not all full time That's like a Rovers Club treasurer David Rowe on uh, community fan engagement and the release clauses which uh, saw the likes of Max Mata and Aidan Kina depart the club mid-contract at key moments in their Rovers career it wasn't the clip I had intended to play about the viability of a club being community run in the League of Ireland long term but you can listen to that answer and the interview in full on the Bit of Red Supporters Trust podcast which you'll find online wherever you get your podcast search for Borst B-O-R-S-T for Bit of Red Supporters Trust to find this week's interview with Sligo Rovers Club Treasurer David Rowe 
Well, staying with soccer, but next to Johnny Kenny Jr., who's on duty this week with the Republic of Ireland under-21 team in Norway. They're getting ready to play a Euro qualifier tomorrow before a home game a few days later against Italy. Ireland under-21's currently top of their Group A in the qualifying campaign. And these international games coming just a couple of weeks after Shamrock Rovers lifted their fourth League of Ireland Premier Division title in a row. For Johnny Kenny, it was his first, but it meant a lot to the 20-year-old. Early in my career, I'm only a young lad and to win the League of Ireland um, at 20 years of age and play a, a good part is uh, massive to me and that's why I joined the club at the start of the year. I wanted to win stuff. So I'm going to Shamrock Rovers, one of the biggest clubs in Ireland. That was why I joined there and I'm happy we won it. Was it a big adjustment to move to Tala? How did you find that transition? Yeah, it was different to uh, um, living away from home because I was living with a few lads um, got on very well with my housemates and I think it helped on the pitch living with Rory and Lee Grace we really had a connection on the pitch um, but I adjusted well to living in Tala everyone made me feel welcome the manager was very good at me and yeah I really enjoyed it and clearly Stephen Bradley rated you because you played a lot of football this season yeah I think um, he trusted me a lot and he said it from the start that when you play for a big club, it's not just one goal scorer who's going to score all the goals. You can see with our team that there's goals spread amongst all through our team. I don't think every club has that, and we definitely have that. There's never going to be one person. And um, it's not about goals. With Stephen, he trusts me in everything, improving the team. Um, it's just not all about scoring, and I'm happy he's seen that. And I really like Stephen, really like working with him. And of course, it would be written in the stars that your first league game for Shamrock Rovers would be against Sligo Rovers at the showgrounds. That was a one-all draw. It took a while for Shamrock Rovers to get going, Johnny, seven or eight games, but we never detected a sense of panic from the champions, even if the wins weren't coming initially. No, I don't think we panicked once, to be fair. Um, I don't think we won until our seventh game away in Dundalk. Um, we had a rough start with red cards. And that, but um, we got going in the end. I don't think there was ever panic because they've obviously won it the three years before. They've won an FAI Cup. They've played in the group stages. These lads are experienced, know what they're at. They know what it takes to win. And obviously for me coming in, this helped me a lot that never panic, that just keep doing what we do. And in the end, it came through. And you won the league, I won't say at a canter, but pretty comfortably in the end three games out did that surprise you or some of your teammates it probably I, well I'd say it definitely did um, surprise me because after six games we, six games we haven't won a game so obviously back then we were like geez, if we win this league it's going to come down to the last game but obviously winning it with two or three games to go it's obviously special and um, I thought it would have came down to the last game <clears throat> after the start we had but um, no it's great to win it with two or three games left and this ensures European football, of course, for Shamrock Rovers next season. In terms of your own loan situation with Shamrock Rovers, where do things stand now for you? Look, I'm going to return to my parents' club in Celtic in the next um, two to three weeks after international break and go back there and try and train to get myself back fit, full fitness. And then January, who knows? All I know is Stephen is keen to keep me on at Shamrock Rovers. So just have to wait and see. Okay, but for the time being, you're a Celtic player again? Yeah, for the time being, I'm a Celtic player and that's all I'll be focused on. And would you like to go back to Shamrock Rovers, maybe make the move permanent? Is is that a possibility? 
Um, I think there's always possibilities of everything in football. Um, all I know is there's definitely a possibility of going back. I don't know if that's loan or permanent. Time will tell. But um, yeah, I enjoyed my time there. Look, I want to have a better crack at Europe. We um, we messed up this year in the first round and we got a very hard draw in the second round and that was it for us. So um, yeah, I'd love to give it another shot. If we came to the coming back to Shamrock Rovers, I'd be happy. Well, the normal League of Ireland player gets a break now. You don't really have a break, do you? Because before you go back to Celtic, you're on international duty with the Ireland under-21 side. Yeah, we travel away. We meet up on Sunday, Sunday evening, which will be good. Um, look, I think it's um, good to get a week or two break, but I don't want that much of a break. I want to just keep going, playing football. Does regular football bring out the best in you? Yeah, I think I'm most happiest when I'm playing. Um, I think every player will say the same. They're happiest when they're playing. Um, so, yeah, I think regular football is massive. And a word on the under-21 journey. You're top of Group A. I know it's still relatively early stages, but you've got games against Norway and Italy coming up now. Jim Crawford clearly rates you. He's picking you regularly for the under-21 squad. I'm sure you'd like to start, but are you enjoying being part of this international stage? Oh, 100%. Uh, anytime you get the honour of playing for your country or getting called up for your country, it's massive. Um, we've had a great start uh, so far, three from three. But it's only a start. We just have to build on it now. Um, probably the two toughest opponents in the group come in next week or two. Um, so hopefully get good results in them. And yeah, it's good working with Jim and his coaching staff. And they're very good. And they trust all of our, us players. And there's some really good players in it. So we just hope to get to the Euros. Do you think finally, Johnny, you're a better footballer now than when you made the first move to Celtic a year and a half ago? I think, yeah. Um, obviously, I think I have improved. I think I always improve with game time, the experience. I think the experiences of um, not winning games and still showing the resilience to come back every week when we weren't winning and then showed in the end that we had the power and determination that it got us back in the league and obviously won the league. So I think I'm a better player and physically and mentally better. And just one last thought occurs to me, Johnny, as I'm talking to a member of the Kenny family. I just wanted to mention to you a well-known sporting uh, fanatic that Ara Harps and Shamrock Gales and the Riverstown area lost in recent weeks, and you'll know who I'm talking about, Anthony Conley. I think it was your dad, Johnny Kenny Sr., who came up with his nickname, Scalacci, and I'm sure he's a, a face of your childhood growing up in Riverstown. Yeah, I knew him. Um, I knew him very closely. He was um, very close to my family. He's very close with everyone. Uh, a very good man, funny, um, always around, always smiling. But um, it was devastating the way he lost his life. But um, massive Flyger Rovers fan, and I'm just happy we won the league because he was meant to come to the trophy lift day against Flyger last game of the season, and it just um, meant the world to me when we won the league. I just say that's for Anthony and um, the whole town and I think the whole county is devastated by the loss of Anthony. He's such a big, big character. And I'm sure he took a big interest in your career because you were the local boy doing well overseas. Oh, he did, of course. Yeah, he um, he was at many Slagger Rovers game. He he came to Tallaght Stadium a few weeks ago to watch me play, um, but he didn't change his colours. He was wearing his Slagger Rovers jacket, which is uh, typical Anthony Connolly, wearing a Slagger Rovers jacket in Tallaght Stadium. So yeah, no, he was a big fan and we'll be dearly missed. 
Johnny Kenny on the late Anthony Conley and his football season which continues tomorrow in Norway. He's with the Republic of Ireland's under-21s away to the Norwegians in their latest Euro under-21 European qualifier. When we come back after the break it's a big weekend ahead in cross-country athletics. We'll look ahead to the national championships in Kilkenny with Breach Conley and we'll introduce you to the four Sligo teenagers getting ready to surf for Ireland at the World Junior Championships in Brazil. The Final Whistle with Austin O'Callaghan Well, a big weekend ahead in cross-country athletics. The 123 National Cross-Country Championships take place this Sunday in Kilkenny. And among the strong medal contenders in the senior men's race will be a Dromore West man, Keelan Kilrehel from Moy Valley Athletic Club. Former Irish Marathon Olympian Breach Conley has been taking a look at the fields for Goran Domain in Kilkenny this Sunday, starting with that senior men's 9,000 metre race and Keelan Kilrehel's Prospects. Keelan seems to actually always target uh, cross country, so he's certainly been, like you said, a great season thus far. He won the Autumn Open. Um, this is his first year, I guess, stepping up to the senior ranks, but um, they're also running a KLF, so that's his plan for him too. So I think Keelan will definitely be eyeing up um, a place on the team, especially with that strong run earlier on in the season. Is there any particular reason you know of why the race is 9,000 metres and not 10? I've no idea why it's why it was taken down for the men, but it was then equaled for the women. So this is the first time women will run. So last year it was 8K and it's now been equalised because all things are equal now. So the women will be running a kilometre extra. So that will, excuse me, that will stand to some and it will also be a deciding factor for others because... I guess for the marathon women in the field, they would probably prefer that and maybe the track girls mightn't prefer it, um, especially over, it's been a lot of rain, so I would imagine it will be a proper cross-country style race on Sunday. Now, one of the guys that Keelan Kilrehel will be trying to beat is the defending champion and Keelan's training partner, Dara McElhenney. Yeah, so Dara, I would imagine Dara... I think Dara will be coming in the hot favourite. Um, like he will have great competition from the likes of Keelan, Brian Fay, uh, Sean Tobin, Peter Lynch, um, Connor er, Doyle. His first name escapes me, Cahill Doyle. Um, but I think for Dara, what I would imagine, he hasn't had the best of years. He missed out on the Europeans. So I suppose he has had a much longer window to train for this race and for Eurocross. So I'd imagine that Dara will be all guns to blazing on Sunday to defend his title. And other local entries include Sligo AC's Finlay Daly, uh, who finished just behind Keelan Carrell in the Autumn International Series last month, and Hugh Armstrong, you've mentioned, from Ballina AC. And you've also referred to Irish 5,000 metres record holder Brian Fay. So there are several names here, Breach, who will feel they can make the podium. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think um, I would imagine with the likes of Brian and Dara in the race, it's going to be honest as ever. You know, they won't be holding back. So I think it'll be a good hard race from the gun. Um, so I think, yeah, the, 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 I guess the third spot, you know, it's the first year where the third spot you could, you know, it could be among a number of men. So it'll be an exciting race for sure. 
And the other carrot, of course, they are running to for places on the Ireland team for the European Cross Country Championships. Yes, and that would probably be, I guess, um, it's great winning your national title, but it is all, it's all, you know, in aim for the Eurocross, which is in Brussels, I think, on the 10th of December. So the first three, well, generally the first three are automatic selections, and then the rest is down to a panel to decide. Um, and sometimes there can be pre-selections made prior to the race. So that all remains to be seen. But to be seen, but the first three for sure will be going to Eurocross. Now, the senior women's race on Sunday is conspicuous by the names who aren't running. I think the top four finishers last year are all absent this weekend. That includes Kira McGeehan, Donegal's Anne-Marie McGlynn, and last year's winner, Sarah Healy. That's right, and Michelle Finn isn't there either. So uh, this, I think, is one of the best opportunities for any Irish woman who is fit uh, to make a podium. It's really exciting because of, I guess, all of those defending champions, like the top three in the previous two years. None of those ladies are there due to, I suppose, injury or other commitments. So um, all eyes, I think, will be on Eden McDonald. She's had a fantastic season. She's the 5,000 champion um, from the track during the summer. And she was head and shoulders above everybody else at the Autumn Open. But then, as well as her, you have the likes of Mary Mulhair, who, like Keelan, always targets Eurocross in getting on that team. Fnula Ross, who's a brilliant cross-country runner, um, but then it's, I think it's wide open for, you know, girls like Nikita Burke. Like Nikita's having a great year. She won the mini marathon. She seems to be in brilliant form. She won, won the Donegal seniors. So there's a chance for like the Nikitas and, you know, girls who mightn't, um, mightn't have had a chance in previous years. Um, I guess the Flanagan twins, they aren't racing on Sunday. They're racing in Philadelphia. Um, and I'm sure they'll be hoping for a selection off the back of that because they were instrumental last year in winning the team a medal. So the top three for sure. And then I think there's everything to play for. You know, the higher up you finish, you just never know what way selections will go. Yeah, and the Flanagan sisters, of course, run in the Finn Valley Athletic Club singlets. Another Finn Valley man, Sean McGinley, goes in the men's under-23 race. He'll probably be hoping to potentially finish in the top three, all things being equal. And, of course, Nick Griggs, Breach, we know all about him in the under-20 men's race. He'll be going for his third under-20 title in a row. <laughs> yeah, third under-20 title and hopefully third time lucky when he actually gets to Eurocross because he was so misfortunate last year. Um, I, to me, it looked like, you know, he stepped into like a groove on the on, in the field, but the leg kind of went from under him as he was on the run-in. So hopefully Nick will, he should certainly win the national title and hopefully go on to greater things at Eurocross. Anyone else you'll be keeping an eye on, finally, on Sunday, Bridge? Um, I guess from the northwest, I'd be keeping a tight eye on Amy Green as well. She's had a great um, season this far, running cross-country. She had a great race up in Antrim back in October, and she also um, had a really good race at the Novice. So I think Amy, hopefully, will be in fine cycle on Sunday, and will do enough to make um, to get herself a place on a team as well to Eurocross, the under-20s. 
Ken Losbridge Conley on this weekend's National Cross Country Championships. The action begins at 11.30 on Sunday morning at Goran Domain in Kilkenny. The senior women's race is due off at a quarter to two. The senior men's race, the final race of the day, is at half past two. We'll have news of how the local athletes fare. We're on the air from half past one this Sunday with an extended Ocean FM sport. The World Junior Surf Championships take place in Brazil from the 20 fourth of this month. Ireland is sending a 12-strong team to Rio and a third of that team are natives of Sligo. We'll hear about them in just a moment. The Irish team manager for Rio is Ross Nowla's Gavin McRae. From this area we have four um, Darragal Martin, Oscar Chew, Tom Murphy and Lorgan Southcombe, all from the Donegal Bay Board Riders Club um, and they at the northwest kind of Strong club, um, and then we have a lot of surfers from the west coast and some from the Tremor area as well. So the young guys are going on the team, and they've been selected over a number of competitions that were held throughout um, 2023. So that we have a junior tour, um, and we had seven competitions throughout the year. Now some of them didn't happen, but um, they, get, they accumulate points, um, and then they're selected on the merits of that. Sure to get entry onto the team to represent Ireland in the World Championships in Brazil. And the names you've mentioned there, we've seen them pop up over the course of the, the last 12 months at various national and inter-counties championships, so they have been prominent. Yes, the the guys that have been selected from the northwest have quite a strong force in within surfing at the minute, and they're, they're going to be our up-and-coming senior surfers in the next couple of years. Um, and then the aim of this event um, is going to be that compete and get the, the experience on a larger le- higher level um, at world and international level and then hopefully they'll come back with that under their belt and gain some knowledge and more skills and develop their surfing and the aim is that they'll go to the Europeans next summer um, which will be in Portugal again and then beyond that where the hope is that these guys will be our future Olympic stars or future Olympic surfers um, for like 2028 and the, the cycle after that as well so, in, in a sense, they're following in the footsteps of the likes of Garage McDade, who's gone through the, the junior international scene on his way to, to senior European and world championships. Yes, exactly. So, Garage has been a big kind of inspiration for these kids because they get to surf with them and you know compete against them in the competitions. And they surf regularly in the Northwest or even around the country with them. So, he has kind of set a level and set a bar for the kids to achieve and because of his success at the, the past Europeans and him trying to strive for the Olympics, it, it set a good goal for the kids, for the junior surfers, and it shows that it's achievable as well. And as manager, what do you look for when you're picking a team? What, what makes a good surfer at national or international level in your mind? Um, oh, there's a lot of factors, I suppose. Um Consistency is one, you know, the, um, consistency throughout their contest results, which can be hard given the conditions because, you know, the conditions can vary on every given 15 minutes of surfing that we have to do. And it's kind of strong mentally and that they can stay in control and keep calm and not let the situation get a, get ahead of them and, and override their kind of their fears, I suppose. And then, yeah, performance-wise, can be able to perform on the day um, and the new kind of level of surfing that we have now, it's 
it's not just about surfing, it's about a, a whole kind of holistic package as well that um, they train outside of surfing, they kind of cross-train, and they do the aerobic exercise, they'd be in the gym doing light weights and body weights or calisthenics and things like that, um, and in the pool swimming. So, like, nowadays, it's not just about surfing, it's about being an all-around kind of sports athlete, I suppose is the word. There are more athletes than surfers nowadays. So for these young surfers heading to Brazil, the, the main objective will be experience to get a, a real firm sense of that big stage against the best in the world to kind of introduce them in a big way to to that international scene. Yes, exactly. So that's this is the biggest contest as a junior that you can compete in internationally. So it's to set them up, put them in that pressured environment and give them the skills learn from any kind of mishaps that may happen and take that on board and move forward. Like they're going to go, when we go to Brazil, we're going, they're going to be surfing against the next world champions, the next professional surfers. And the ISA World Games is kind of a benchmark for normally the winners are going to be the next world champions or the next professional surfers within the next two or three years. So they're going to be surfing against very high level surfers. So the, the the competition is pretty high. So, but this is good. It's a good testing ground and good for the guys to do that and surf against surfers like that. And as someone put them in that pressure. Yeah. yeah go ahead. And as someone finally, Gavin, who was reared on the the waves and the swell of Rosnaula in Donegal, are you excited by the talent that's coming through across the Irish surfing scene at the moment? Yeah, from when I started surfing in 1988, it's developed a lot. Um. Back then, it was the glory of getting on the surf team, but now the glory is actually winning the medals at these big events. So, like across the standard of junior surfing within Ireland has grown exponentially, especially through the COVID years, because surfers just surfed and they gained all the skills and they built on the fundamentals of surfing. And then they hit the contest scene with a bang. So, there's a very large cohort of surfers coming up. We have a lot of second generation, sometimes third generation surfers as well. So surfing's in the blood for a lot of these younger surfers. And that makes for a bigger pool um, of talent as well. So the talent's grown. All the clubs around the country are working um, with their junior surfers. We have a squad of surfers as well that we're working with to build this kind of breadth. So, yeah, in general, across the board, the talent has grown and grown and it's getting better and better. So, like, we do see that um, our Olympic goal is achievable down the line in maybe two or three cycles time and that's kind of our goal That's the junior surf team manager of the Ireland team heading out to Brazil Gavin McRae Let's hear now from the four Sligo teenagers who are part of the Donegal Bay Board Riders Club and the Ireland team in South America They are Lorcan Southcombe Tom Murphy Oscar Chew and first Dara Gilmartin To qualify it's a huge achievement and we're all super excited to go. And a third of the team, Tom, from Donegal Bay Board Riders Club from the Northwest. That's that's pretty good going locally. Yeah, yeah. We're really happy with that. Um, for a club that's only been around for a few years, um, it's definitely a good achievement for the club yeah. to have four of us going to Brazil. The World Championships is new territory for all of you, I think. But I know, I think, Tom, you have some European Championship experience from last year. Yeah, all four of us, actually. Okay. We're at the at the Europeans okay. um, so this won't be alien to you completely 
Um, no, it's I, I guess it's it's a bit further abroad, but um, the same concepts. So yeah, we're fairly used to it. Have any of you been to Brazil before? Never. No, okay. it's going to be new experiences for us. Right. And I mean, I'm guessing you're ambitious guys. You want to test yourselves against the world's best. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of hard to know what we're capable of, but we're just going to try our best and see how we get on. Okay, so Lorcom, you and Tom are in the under-18 category. Yeah. Is that, in terms of what the discipline is, is that very different from what the under-16 lads will have to do? It's going to be very similar. Like, everyone's going to be kind of in a same training regimen okay. and we'll all just be trained together every day and we all surf together all the time anyway, so we're very used to that level of competition that we need to be. And how many countries will you be up against? I actually don't know. <laughs> it's going to be a, a lot. lot. Yeah, yeah. I have a good, a good few countries anyway. Yeah, but the Europeans come will go to South America with a fair good reputation, Tom, won't they? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a very high standard of surfing in Europe, especially with junior surfers. But um, there's some countries like Brazil and America and Australia which are known for having the best surfers in the world. So it'll yeah. definitely be a higher calibre of yeah. surfing than the Euros. Right. And it does cost money, Dara, to get to Brazil. Irish Surfing will try and help you, yeah. but they can only do so much. So the four of you have been kind of entrepreneurial in raising a, f- a few bob, have you? Yeah, exactly, we have. Um, surfing's quite a new sport in Ireland, so we have to do a lot of the fundraising ourselves, which is unfortunate, but we're happy to do it. You know, we want to represent our country and, you know, we're just excited to get out there. So you've put together a GoFundMe page, Oscar? Yeah, so we have a GoFundMe page for um, for us to get to Rio. Uh, you can find it in any of our, our bios on Instagram. Um, if, yeah, if and the response has been good from what I can see. There's quite a few quid been donated there. Yes, yeah, we're, we're getting closer to our goal now, but... Um, definitely some more work needs to be done and we're we're working on that for sure okay. so you'll be pushing hard the next few days time before you fly out to brazil yes definitely we're going to be raising some money today at the strand hill market and we're also having a surf movie night tomorrow with a raffle so hopefully that'll that, get that's up. here in strand hill isn't it yeah it is it's in breeze okay yeah so what's the movie uh we've got a few different movies that we just decided upon ourselves just okay. different movies filmed in ireland that we like about like like people surfing Moloch Moor and waves like that around here. Okay. The last thing I have to ask you about, I'm assuming you're all still at school, are you, or college? So last Thursday morning, I'm sure you got wind on your phone of 40-foot waves in Moloch Moor. And the last place you guys, I'm guessing, wanted to be would be in school. Were you longing to be a Conor Maguire or a Garage McDade heading to Moloch Moor last Thursday? Of course, yeah. I was, yeah, I was uh, definitely... Lo- definitely looking forward to when I can get out there yeah yeah. yeah. I mean ha- have you guys surfed in that sort of wave territory before um, no of, none yeah. of us have surfed Mullock Moor before we've been out in solid conditions but right. nothing really comparable to that like yeah. that's just it's a completely different kind of it's a completely different sport really surfing yeah. waves like that yeah. but hopefully someday we'll all be out there yeah I know you're not maybe expecting 40-foot waves finally in Brazil, Dara, but no, that's the sort of stuff you'd like to mix with. Exactly, yeah. I mean, there's a great big wave scene in Ireland. It's cool to see. Uh, we're only young now, so we don't want to be killing ourselves out there, but uh, I'm sure someday we'll get out there. Um, it's, you know, it's exciting. It's mad. It's great to see all those mad fellas out there, you know, showing us how it's done, but, um, yeah... You need a little bit of madness, though, guys, in this sport, do you? Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, definitely. You know, not many surfers have a, have a right way of minds, but uh, <laughs> um, no, it definitely helps when uh, you don't always think about things. You, you kind of just go with the flow, I guess. And these four guys certainly are. That's Lorcan Southcombe, Tom Murphy, Oscar Chu and Daragal Martin who are part of the Ireland Junior Surf Team for the ISA World Junior Championships. They're taking place in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil from the 24th of November to the 3rd of December. If you'd like to make a donation to their GoFundMe page, simply look for World Surfing Championships Help Our Juniors online. They've raised €7,900 and climbing already. A reminder, finally, this programme is available as a podcast each week on oceanfm.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Simply search for The Final Whistle or Ocean FM Sport to find it. We're back next week. Same time, same place.